0: This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport.
1: Powered by fans. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com/QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.
0: The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love.
2: Hi guys, welcome back to your weekly Stoke City podcast, every step along the way. So the season is very much marching on, but this week we'll discuss the win versus West Brom, discuss the upcoming game versus Bristol City, as well as all the hot topics from around the club this week, including your questions that you've sent in to us once again. Let's just obviously kick off. Um, Andy, how's your week been, mate? You been okay?
3: Yeah, I've been all right, getting into proper hours of work, and we have obviously a great result to talk about tonight.
2: Yes, for, for once, it feels like it's been too long, to be honest, mate. I know, I know we had it back-to-back about three weeks ago, but it feels like a lifetime ago. So, uh, yeah, uh, I'm glad you're doing well, mate. Um, and uh, Daniel, how are you, mate? I'm not too
4: bad, not too bad. Easter's approaching, which means plenty of football. Kids are off work, I'm back at school, so I know who I'd prefer to be out of me or the messes.
2: <laughs> I'll tell you what though, do, do you have much chocolate these days? I used to love it as a kid, you loads of chocolate Easter egg hunt. Uh, hunts, that's a bit of a mouthful have uh, got to be careful there, aren't you? Easter egg hunts, um, I used to love them But yeah, I, I don't seem to get much these days I'm quite disappointed I'm I'm expecting an egg off, off at least both of you <laughs> Silence, well, brilliant, okay, brilliant
4: Well, I'm currently, if I turn, turn my head to my right Here in my uh, front room I can see uh, one, two, are there uh, twelve, twelve Easter eggs on my uh, cabinet over in the corner over there. So yes, there's plenty of chocolate in this house. They aren't all for uh, people in here, but yes, they're. Uh,
2: we've been busy buying them all up. So that was an invitation, Andy. Just so you know, mate.
3: I'll see what I can <laughs> do, mate. Trying to save up for car insurance and that at the moment.
4: But you, you can you can fight my four-year-old for hers if you want. <laughs> I, don't, yeah, know if I, can I can do that
1: <laughs>
2: Right, lovely. Anyway, let's get on to what we actually came here to speak about, shall we? Because we've got a hell of a lot to go through um, this week. We've had a lot of questions from from obviously the the listeners as well, which we need to go through. Um, but let's start on a nice, positive note. this going to be a positive pod, no negative vibes at all. We beat West Brom. Andy, you went to the game, mate. How how did uh, how did it go?
3: Amazing. Obviously. With Forrester coming back in the team, everyone had a bit of excitement about him. Uh, a few people thought he started off a bit shakily as well at Howard Bellis, but none of them put a foot wrong. Defence on top, obviously Baker, Allen, that midfield duo showing their class, and Brown being the player that we all know he can be. It was amazing to see how we can do. Tommy Smith, a lot more attacking than what he normally is. Maybe he's finally had that word from Michael O'Neill, you know. He needs to show what he can do in order to show that he's going to be here next season. And magic coming off the bench, as much as we've said, he's a bit slow and he's not done this and he's not done that. He showed what class he can have.
2: Yeah, he came on and really made a difference, didn't he, mate? It's Obviously, we'll get on to teams later, but he's he's been a bit quiet this season. I don't think we've seen the best of Maggi by a long chalk. And we've already discussed previous weeks, which we're not going to go into, but you know, we've discussed the reasons why we think that is. Um, But you're right, mate. I think previous games when he's kind of come on or even when he's been starting, he's he's kind of had lacked the impetus to to take the ball forward. Whereas obviously that run to obviously set up Baker was exactly what you want from him. You know, run at the defence, make make them make mistakes, cause them issues. And maybe O'Neill's had a bit of a word with him and said, look, you know, you're doing most of your game well, but you just you're not putting enough pressure on. Maybe it's as simple as as O'Neill's had a word.
3: Yeah, obviously it's sort of what Magan needed. I think we we know how he is from the Sunderland till I die documentary. We've talked about that to death at this point, but yeah. I thought like we actually played it to him the way that he likes it. Obviously he set up Baker for that third goal, which I will say the limbs in the away end in the ninety fourth minute were I could never imagine anything better. But I think obviously time, and he had his chance as well. He probably should have scored his, but we weren't complaining with the fact that Baker got his.
2: Well, I thought it was interesting because because Dan, I mean, previous games we've all seen it when we went two 0 up. I actually looked at the uh, the betting, and West Brom were uh, I think it was I think it was forty to one to win, uh, and they were fifteen to one to get the draw. And I'm not gonna lie, I was tempted to put some money on the draw at that point. And then West Brom go and score, and I'm like, I really should have put some money on it now. But for once, we actually didn't. But <clears throat> um, are we learning from mistakes, or did we just take our chances? Or maybe a bit of both?
4: Uh, yeah, hopefully we're toughening up a bit. Like, and um, in our game management, and obviously how we react to conceding. Because it appears that for a very long, long time, probably about four years, <laughs> uh, one goal when we've conceded has quickly been followed by a second. If and the, that's obviously if the team are another goal, and it seems like you know, we capitulate to the point where the, the opposition have done enough to win the game, and then we pull ourselves together. Hence why we never get absolutely beaten, but we regularly throw away leads.
2: Yeah, it was it was a very uh, refreshing change, and um, very I mean- much so. Yeah, and Andy, I mean, you you mentioned the fans, mate, and I I must admit, for for a season that's just kind of fading away, Uh, there was no sign for me that the fans have given up or the fans don't care, Um, and there was certainly no signs that the players are in holiday mode either. Um, I think we've got, firstly, a a great kind of togetherness in the squad, I think, despite a disappointing season, they're clearly all enjoying their football. and I think the fans, I wish it was the same at home, but the fans away from home, as you said, it was a great mental. Um, and I just wish we could replicate that at home because they were great, weren't they?
3: Yeah, the fans were great. None of them really gave the players stick. None of them gave Michael O'Neill stick, which when we've been losing as of recently, it's been a lot of, you know, oh, Michael out. oh, your football's crap and all that. But when we win, you you can tell that the fans are always on Michael O'Neill's side. And considering... We've had four wins in three games and we've probably sank West Brom's playoff hopes at this point. You could just tell as a togetherness within the fan base.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's good, man. I'm just hoping we can finish on a high because we know this season's over, don't we? Let's be honest. So um, I just want this to, to finish on that high. If we've got, you know, six games left, Let's go and try and win four or five of them. I mean, I don't, I saw something, I can't remember what channel it was mentioned, Sky Sports or something, but they were talking about the run in um, and saying, you know, I know, actually, completely wrong. It wasn't Sky Sports, it was um, the actual Sentinel. uh, They have a, a live stream type thing. And they were saying, you know, momentum going into next season. Now, I'll be honest with you, I don't get on board with that because. It's a long time between finishing the season and momentum for next. We are going to have such an overhaul of players. I don't think momentum really comes into it next year. Um, But it'd just be nice for the fans to go away feeling a bit more confident because we were discussing the other week, if we've got some tough games coming up, if we finish this season off with four or five losses out of six, it's going to feel a bit depressing, isn't it? So, um, yeah, I mean, for me, let's just finish on a high um, and kind of go from there um, one play, player that did actually get um, uh, a bit of a, a mention as well uh, was was Bonham um, now we we had this debate the other week about whether it's Bursic or Bonham and we've all got our own opinions on it but um, you know generally what's your opinion on, on, on Bonham at the minute in terms of how he played I guess against West Brom do you still think he's got a place in our team Andy
3: I do. Obviously, we have been discussing as of recent, maybe Michael O'Neill's looking at whether he can do that job at number two. But uh, against Millwall, he said the penalty. He didn't exactly do too wrong against Sheffield United. And the goals he has conceded, it's not really been mostly his fault. Maybe one or two have. But he has shown, considering he came from Gillingham as a number three keeper and currently he's got that number one jersey that he has been fighting for that place. And if he's fighting for it, and he's showing he can do what he's been doing, why not keep him as the number one until the end of the season, then go from there? If he feels like Bursic's going to be, you know, going for that number one jersey as well, fight for it and show what you can do.
2: What's your take on it, Dan?
3: Uh, I think uh,
4: as much as I prefer Joe Bursic to be in goal, I think he's been the long-term option. Uh, he's, I think he's a better keeper than Barnum already, and he's the one that's going to develop more. I do think that Bonham is not looking as shaky as when he first started, as when mm-hmm. he first came in. I think he's pulling off a few decent saves, and that possibly is the area where he might have an edge over over Joe, is his his shot stopping, his his saves and stuff. I think that you know it could be that that could be the area where he is, uh, like I say, a bit ahead of Joe in that. Um, but an as an all-round goalkeeper I definitely prefer basic. I'm just wondering whether has Michael O'Neill sort of come to the understanding that if he needs if he wants money to spend in the summer he's got to raise his own funds mm. so having looked through the saleable assets and what, you know, what are the few players who are actually worth any money He's maybe looking and thinking, is Joe Burstyn the one that's going to be this year's sale? Like Nathan Collins was last year. Is it, is it going to have to be? Is he, as you as you looked around and thought, I've got to pick one. Who can I replace? Who can you know? Who can get me decent money, which I can get four or five players in, and also be able to replace them as an individual without hindering the team too much and maybe he's come to the conclusion that Joe Bursic is, is that man. I mean, I don't know anything. I'm just just throwing a possible sort of solution sort of out there as, as to why he isn't playing him because I'm a bit perplexed as to why he's not starting him.
2: Could he be making way for another goalkeeper we're going to discuss in a minute? Maybe.
4: <laughs> well, could be. Is, is it that, like I say, and is he trying by playing bottom? Is he sort of... Got the double-edged thing because he's got clubs will be alerted to the fact that Joe Basic's not playing, so they'll then be inquiring, "Oh, is he available? Is he not in your plans? Is he, you know, what are you looking for transfer fee wise?" And also, he gets to look at Barnum and decide where Barnum could fit. Is he good enough to be number one, number two, number three? How many goalkeepers do I need, etc.
2: Yeah, yeah, certainly interesting. I must admit, I'm quite really quite excited about this summer uh, hopefully by the end of it i'm still as excited as before we go into it but uh, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting, mate, but, um, in terms of, uh, quickly then man of the match now, I'll be honest, there was no contentious choices this week. Um, we didn't have any, uh, any abuse and I'm sure you might be able to find any comments for anyone who was mentioned Dan. but, uh, yeah, so, uh, we put out the, the four options, um, at the weekend. Uh, you won't be surprised. I don't think by any of these. So Lewis Baker, Josh Timon, Jacob Brown, Will Forrester. Um, Jacob and Will actually shared fifteen percent each, so uh, pretty uh, pretty nice. Um, we've then got in second place Baker with twenty six percent, and Josh Timon took it home once again this season at forty four percent. Now I don't I don't expect you to have the uh, the table in front of you, Mr. Daniel, but uh, Timon I remember was second I think behind Baker, or have I made that up?
4: I do actually have the table in front of me right now. I was looking at it as you were speaking. <laughs> um, Josh timing is streets ahead. He now is on to 366 points for the season. Uh, that was his eighth man of the match that he's been awarded. Wow. Uh, second place is Joe Allen on 286. So 80 points behind. Third is Jacob Brown on 279. And then Mario Vrancic, 254. And uh remains Sawyer's two five three. So they're the top five. There's only five games left, which means there's only a possible 125 points, and Tyman's 80 in front. So Alan's got to have Alan or Brown, it would say. I've got to have a pretty special uh you know run of three or four man of the matches here to to uh, deny Tymon. and, he's and get Yeah, yeah, basically. He's <laughs>
2: actually that's really bad i should not have mentioned that it's gonna, it's gonna happen in it now and it's all gonna be my fault so yeah anyway um thanks for the update mate i was quite intrigued i didn't realize timing was streets ahead that much actually but yeah okay lovely well um i think that's pretty much done um the west brom game i'm I'm glad we finally got a win under the board um now before we kind of move on i just want to to make a, a special comment obviously anyone who's who follows us quite a lot uh we normally release on a friday at seven but we've uh we've given you an extra pod this week so i'm sure you've probably seen if you're following us on social media but uh, obviously this pod's been released at 7am on thursday so you can enjoy it before the game on friday but we have another pod coming out on saturday um uh, at 7am so that again you've probably have seen it but uh we basically had the privilege and um, we are having the privilege of speaking to uh, football finance expert Kieran Maguire. Now, for anyone who's been following us, like I said, throughout the season, you may have caught the first kind of part of this where um, basically Kieran went into what FFP was, how it worked in simple terms, what we were kind of anticipating going to be the case for when the actual accounts were released. Well, the accounts are released now, Um, And, you know, we're going to be speaking to Kieran, uh, delving into them in a bit more detail, obviously, importantly, trying to find out what this means for us next season in terms of budgets, hopefully. Uh, And of course, you know, the FFP changes or uh, profit and sustainability, as they like to call it, uh, those changes that are going to be coming down the line as well. So uh, not just the headline figures that you see in the media. So um, I know all three of us, we're we're really looking forward to that one, aren't we?
4: Yeah, I really can't wait for it. Uh, It was... Like I say, the first one was we just learned so much from it, Kieran's sort of wealth and knowledge in this field. Uh, we're so lucky, really, to be getting him on. So yeah, the fact that he's coming back again, we mustn't have scared him off too much the first time.
2: <laughs> no, no, absolutely not, mate. And I, I, we're gonna have to give him some oatcakes as a thank you, aren't we? I know he. he I think I remember seeing he, he liked ketchup he on his, his oatcakes. Oat he, yeah. he does love his oatcakes. Yeah. but he's having brown sauce and I'm not having ketchup disgraceful Um, anyway yeah so uh, that pretty much does it for uh, the West Brom game so uh, let's move on to now the Stoke News section and also the questions that you fans have sent in this week (laughs) Okay, so first off, uh, a goalkeeper that we, well, we've been speaking about goalkeepers, but a goalkeeper that potentially uh, could return to Stoke is Asmir Begovic. So um, he's currently with Everton um, and uh, his contract ends in June. So um, we put a bit of a poll out there in terms of whether, uh, you know, obviously Stokeys would have him back um, as our number one goalkeeper. Now, 63% of you said that you would have him back. Um, as the uh, the number one. I can't say I'm overly surprised, but um, I mean, Dan, obviously your memories of, of Asmir, um I'm sure would be probably quite positive. Uh, would you have him back for, as our number one goalkeeper? Uh,
4: yes. Yeah, in a shot. I mean, he's 34, which you'd think is old for a footballer, but actually for a goalkeeper, there's a lot of goalkeepers in the you know, early to mid-30s and the sort of the prime years for them, aren't they, where they, they perform at the best. Uh, And, you know, he doesn't, And let's be honest, he doesn't have to be at the best that we saw him in the Premier League to be a good, solid goalkeeper for us in, in, you know, where we are right now. And nobody's asking him to be, you know, to reproduce the form that got him a move to Chelsea. But I think, you know, he hasn't done much for Everton this year. I mean, he's only played a couple of Premier League games and a few cup games, but... What he has done is he played a full season. He played 47 games for Bournemouth. He played the whole. I think he missed one league game, and then obviously played the you know, the playoff games in that forum last year as well. So he's got recent championship experience, and obviously he must have been playing well for you know. To, obviously Bournemouth were up there when he was between the sticks, and that was only 12 months ago. So you know, why what you know, why not? And it, if he comes back as well, he's going to have a bit of drive and a bit of. An, he's got an affiliation with the club, hasn't he? You know, yep. he's got a love for the club. Uh, let's face it, we took him from Portsmouth when he was a highly rated but unproven young goalkeeper, and we, we you know, we are the what we he's here where he developed and became a, a top class goalkeeper, isn't it? And that you know he's... His best season, let's be honest, I am sure you'll admit, his best seasons of his career were spent with Stoke City.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, mate. And obviously, Andy, I know you're only about twelve, so um, do do you remember Asmir Begovic, mate?
3: I do, mate. Um, Sadly, I wasn't there for the game where he scored. You know, the wind-propelled ninety-yard goal from basically kickoff, but. Oh, from, I was. It was very good. Yeah. From what I remember, he was, you know, making always the correct saves, never really put a foot wrong. And he would be a great addition to the team. Obviously, people are saying he's, they're worried about the age. 34 for a goalkeeper is nothing, mate. Look at some keepers who are world class. For example, I'm going to put a name out there. Buffon is about 47. And he's still playing in the top, top leagues. And Begovic, he's a great keeper. He's. Never put a foot wrong, like I've said, and he only really got pushed out the side when we sold him and Butland took over, and we've not really had sort of that solid keeper since those two.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's interesting as well, mate. For me, because he was one of the few players who actually managed to turn things round. Because when he first signed, I mean, Dan, please feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, here, mate. But when he first signed, um, he refused to play, didn't he? Uh, in a cup match, uh, I think. I think he thought it was a bit kind of beneath him didn't want to play. Um but he managed to bring it back and go on to be one of our star goalkeepers. But not many players can refuse to play for a club and and make a name for themselves.
4: Especially when Tony Pulis is your manager. <laughs> he doesn't usually take that sort yes. of crap. <laughs> yeah, I, I absolutely that,
2: not that. mate. Mm. No, so, no, he, he really doesn't stand for it.
4: So yeah, he did. We did. He did. Um, he did very well. and Obviously, it was a mark to his his ability and obviously his attitude. Other than that moment, that he propelled himself to be number one, and obviously took the gloves from Tommy Sorensen, who was quite the cult hero at the time. Once he you know he'd helped to uh, stabilise us in the Premier League, uh, and obviously, yeah, Asmia came in and thought, you know, why why am I being asked to play in this? This crappy league first round game. <laughs> uh, I, I shouldn't be lowering myself to these, you know, playing in front of every, uh, 10 men in the dog. <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I think we all thought he um, was just this young whippersnapper think he is, you know, coming in and and uh, throwing his weight around like that. But he's like say, he certainly turned it around and sort of that was long forgotten, Monty, eventually.
2: Yeah, absolutely was, And I think um on on the actual poll, just so you know, I'm not sure if you guys have seen them, but we did have a number of comments from from people just kind of giving their opinions on it. Um, so uh, relatively positive um kind of feedback, really. But let's start off with uh, a less less well less positive, shall we say? Uh, so Rich uh, says, not for me. He's 34 now, and probably not the keeper he was when we had him. Uh, Stride, he said, I like Bursic Lowe's, but he's not even our regular number one. I think him and Asmir would be a brilliant pairing. Uh, ditch the rest. Um, Harley says, have him in, uh, in a heartbeat. Solid goalkeeper. Good experience. Could help people like Bursic and Blondie to get better. Plus, he knows the club. And uh, no place like as uh, it says depends on wages really. The reason for Davis leaving was having two top goalkeepers on the books. Um, other than that, though, Bursit Begovic and Bonham as our three keepers. Let Fielding and Blondie leave. that would be my preference ideally. I don't know if we can afford that scenario though. Um, and I I think Bursit Begovic and Bonham. What what a great combination that sounds to be honest. Um, probably would be our one of our strongest goalkeeping three for a long long time.
4: I think the issue you've got there is, is Jack Bonham, having played a run of games now, going to be happy with being number three goalkeeper and not even being on the bench?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, we've obviously got the young uh, under-18s keeper, haven't we, as well, who wants to uh, make a, a name for himself. So it's going to be a bit difficult for him. I guess he could, you know, he could go out on loan. As you rightly point out, though, do we need three potentially you know, number one goalkeepers? You know, all three of them could do a job.
1: Um, yeah, so, yeah I, mean, I
2: think you're right. Could we could we spend that money elsewhere?
4: What we could do, obviously, is uh, if Asmir comes in, you know, he's two, three years to to, you know, to finish his career, and um, whilst Tommy Simkin does develop and gets himself to the level required to to play in the championship, whether that be you know low, a loan move or or just developing as he is, and then obviously Asmir goes and. Simpkinson sort of, you know, the, the the obviously the plan would be for him to come and take over. Obviously, we don't know how that plan plays out. Uh, nobody does deal do with young footballers. That, that could be what the, the, thought, the thought process.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let's keep an eye on that one. And obviously, uh, it's been confirmed by Asmir himself tonight, considering that uh, when we put that comment out, um, he's, uh, he's liked the comment when asked to take a Stoke City's page to take a contract with them. Uh, for his, uh, his, his appearance at the club tomorrow He's liked the tweet And uh, also yeah, a bitch, a comment says, yeah there we go it Says more than welcome back at home Bego And Bego's liked it so there we go He's signed the contract he's on his way um, Okay so In terms of next piece and uh, Final piece for this before we get on to fans Questions uh, Daniel The under 18s, under 23s And the women's team I believe have been very Very busy this week
4: they have. So the under-23s, they exited the League Cup at the quarter-final stage this week. They had a 2-1 home defeat to Middlesbrough. So they got back into it later on. Jack Griffiths, um, a local lad here, got, you know, got very high hopes for him. Uh, Equalised for Stoke in the 81st minute but then a 95th minute penalty won it for Middlesbrough. So yes, unfortunately uh, that was the under-23s this week so there's no game for them this week. Uh, so they've got a, a few days to let the wounds and uh, regroup. Uh, the under-18s have had a mixed week on Saturday. Uh, check my phone, they were 2-0 up against Man United early on. I thought, fantastic. Uh, but the young Red Devils came back to win the game 3-2 uh, with a 91st-minute winner as well. So, yes, uh, that's two injury-time losses we've taken there in two games. Uh, this week. And then on Tuesday, though, we did turn it round and we went all the way to Sunderland and won 1 0, thanks to a goal from Emre Tesgal. Uh, and the under 18s, they also don't have a game this week. So, yes, uh, so again, somewhere else to uh, they can uh, have a bit of time to, to bask in the glory of that Sunderland win. <laughs> and the women. They've only had a very mixed week. Obviously, they're in a position in the league where they need the points. And unfortunately, they lost 2-1 away to file on Sunday. Uh, they did stage a bit of a comeback later on, got a goal back, and they were putting pressure on right on the end, uh, but couldn't quite you know, get the, uh, the equaliser in a vital point in the bid to stay up. Uh, but they did then, on Tuesday night, they did retain the Staffs County Cup. A comprehensive and clinical 10-0 victory over Leak Town secured the trophy once more for them. And uh, guess what? This week, as far as I can see, they're also without a
2: game. I'm not surprised. I mean, they probably knackered after scoring 10 goals. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Brilliant lovely. All right, yeah, thanks mate. Appreciate it. Uh, always get good to get an update and know that we saw some comments online about, you know, the youth play youth teams etc not getting enough coverage. Well, uh, hopefully people appreciate the the little overview that that we give. Um, Cool. So in terms of news, that's pretty much it. So we've had a lot of the fans questions. We mentioned this for the first time last week uh, that if anyone has any questions to get in touch. It was busy last week. It's just as busy this week. So uh, we'll try and get through these as quick as we can because there are about five different uh, comments. So uh, Double F on Twitter. So the first one, Um, Andy, I'm going to come to you first, mate. So um, his question is, how do we stop booming at home because it achieves nothing?
3: it's one of them obviously it's not all fans but it is most fans and if I've got the table up here of our home form compared to our away form we're 17th in the league for home form but 11th in the league for away form which shows at home normally you know it's been renowned as a place that no team really wants to go and it's sort of come a hunting ground for some teams but appears that with the way we play against the teams that want promotion, the teams which are up there, we play very well. When it's against teams lower down, it's sort of, you know, a bit relaxed. And with me personally, I don't boo players at all. I know people say, oh, it's like getting a bit of a telling off at work. But no matter what goes on, you need to back the players unless it is completely woeful. But still, then you don't boo them off and it just knocks their confidence down. They'll probably start thinking, well, why do I want to play for a team, you know, where... If I'm putting in the effort, I'm just going to get booed off.
2: Yeah, well, funny thing is, mate, I can't remember what season it was now, but um, Butland was in goal for us and we had Glenn Johnson uh, at right back and he was oh. having an absolute shocker, mate. He was having a shocker. Um, and anyway, we we're all saying get him off. And yeah, he needed to go off. But I think actually it was, I'm pretty sure it was his last game, actually for Stoke, funny enough. Uh, but anyway, yeah, he gets subbed off um, and it felt like the entire stadium cheered. Um, and it was a bit uncomfortable. I, I, again, I like you. I won't boo. I won't jeer like that. Um, but I, I've, I remember Butlin turned round, and he was just shaking his head and just like saying, cut it out, cut it out with his arms. Um, because, understandably, the guy's not gone out there to have a bad game, has he? You know, He's gone out there to try and do his best. Fair enough, his best wasn't good enough on that day. But, no, I, I know what you mean, mate. Um, booing, and, you know, again the comment, double F, you're spot on. It doesn't do any good. But then I'll flip it on its head, Andy, and say that... Sorry, Actually, I'll, I'll ask Dan, sorry. Um, if players are playing badly or the team's playing badly, how else can the fans let them know?
4: I think they know. That's the thing. When players are playing badly, they know they're playing badly. Do they, do they need to be told that they're playing badly? Or what's going to have a better effect? If you're playing... If you feel crap, and down what has a positive effect on you does it have does it somebody telling you that you're doing a rubbish job and the <laughs> is that, that going to make you feel better or is getting behind you actually thinking yeah yeah i am having a bad game here nothing i'm doing is coming off but these you know these fans are behind me they, they're they still with us they're still going is that going to have a more to me that's going to have a more positive effect on a player than, than booing or, yeah. or, or just, you know, getting up and screaming abuse at them. If, if they're having a bad game, they know they're having a bad game. They don't need you to tell them. They'll, they'll be fully aware.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I would say I wouldn't say it's the majority of, of, of fans, really. I, I don't feel it is. Um, I mean, in terms of a direct answer to your question, really, in terms of how we stop booing at home, I think the fact is you'll never stop it. Um, I just think that the obvious way to stop it, and I know it sounds easy, the obvious way to stop it is just to win games. People don't boo when they're winning. The minority won't boo when they're winning. It's so much easier said than done, as we all know this season. Um, But I think, yeah, we just maybe need to think a little bit more about how it affects players it's no, never gonna do them any good it can turn I remember the you know the company of the years that we had you know a, a season or two ago um you know we, we don't want to go down that route we don't want a divided fan base and, and uh, you know and players it, it doesn't do anyone any favors um I I think we all love this club when the fans and the players are, are on the same side siege mentalities or whatever it is um no fan base and, and team ever do well when they're separated for me so um, yeah thank you very much uh, for, for your question much appreciated uh, Christian Clues uh, is next so it says um, I think that we should play uh, Forrester next season on a regular basis and Tezgal due to the interest from the likes of Chelsea um, I mean Dan surely Tezgal in particular needs to be in fact Forrest, oh, they both need to be in that first team next season wouldn't you say
4: uh, Forrester definitely yes uh, he, he, he obviously the game he played last season I think he was unfortunate in that he's had a lot of injuries since then I think the second half of last season he had an injury that sort of meant he was just you know just about fit and ready to go for that game at Bournemouth and then obviously he got injured again in the summer um, and then obviously he, Mansfield took him injured and then he got injured again after he, broke into, when he got fit and broke into that team so he's fully prepared to be a snow player, judging by that. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think the time now for him definitely is to be properly integrated into the team. And uh, yeah, I think people, again, you know, because because he has sort of been out on load, been injured, and there's not been a lot said about him during the season. I've heard a few. I've seen a few comments. People saying, "Why is James Tester been playing all season when we could have been playing this lad?" And it's like, well, he hasn't really been available. He's he's been injured a lot, so that's that's why. <laughs> but obviously, it's being used as another stick to to beat the manager with, uh, which is unfortunate. Uh, but yeah, he, uh, to me, he, he should be definitely in consideration. Uh, if I was Michael O'Neill, I'd, I'd be telling him, "You're not getting out on loan next season. You are part of the first team squad. You will be in my thoughts going forward." Uh, and obviously, pre season is a, is a chance for you to nail down your spot for the first game, and then it's your shit to lose from then on, then onwards. He is a young lad, so especially at centre half, there is probably going to be ups and downs with him. We've seen that with the young lads that we've had already. You know, Ben Wilmot, for example, um Harwood Bellis. You know, there's up, there's games when they're top form, there's games when they're not, and I think you've just got to ride that out uh, while they gain the experience. Um, obviously he's not the only one either we've got uh, Connor Taylor will be coming back as well and I think Connor Taylor's. A, I think he's a couple of years younger isn't he than, than Will Forrester so for me I would to not stunt his growth and development I would be trying to send him out on loan either to a, to a top end League One side or even try and get him into a championship side maybe maybe one of the teams who've been promoted yeah. uh, into, into the league this year um, and just see you know whether you know, whether we can sort of get him some championship experience ready to then in 12 months time he can then again be integrated into the first team squad and join them but yeah i think for me forrester definitely that's my plan what i'd do with taylor uh i know you didn't even mention taylor but i just thought i'd throw him into that <laughs> Uh, as, for right, Tezgal, yeah. as for Tezgal, it's a bit of a different one for me. I think he's obviously got huge potential. Definitely, definitely more a player there is in there, but he's still only 16, and you have to remember that. And I understand if you're good enough, you're old enough and all that business, but there's there's a way of developing players at the right. He's sixteen? And he's young, 16. He's still at school. He's still studying. He's still doing his GCSEs. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's, And I think next season, we'll definitely be seeing him in and around the first-team squad, but I I wouldn't be expecting him to be starting 20, 25, 30 games next season at all. Unless, of course, he comes on and rips it up, in which case, yeah. But I don't think, put it this way, On is it due, July the 30th, July the 31st, whenever our first game is next season? Yeah. I would not be expecting Emre Tezgall to be playing number nine striker, leading the line. I wouldn't be surprised if he's on the bench. Uh, I think he'd definitely be in the reckoning, and I think he's definitely going to be in and around the squad during you know, pre-season, and the manager
3: will be having a very close look at him.
2: Okay, cool. Andy, would you agree or disagree with with any of that?
3: No, I can't really disagree with any of it. Obviously, we've said he's a young lad. He's doing his GCSEs this year, coming up in the summer. It depends on, obviously, what he wants to do with his studies. I know he's in the academy and it's he's probably going to get a proper contract if he hasn't already got one. But it depends also what he wants to do with his education-wise, whether he wants to still carry on and either choose a scholarship with the academy or go into a sixth form or a college. But, Like we said, he will be in and around about that first team. Highly likely he'll be on the bench for quite a bit. He might get, you know, the odd substitute appearance, but if he is going to start a game, it would be probably early rounds of either the FA Cup or the Carabao Cup.
2: Cool. Okay. well, we're all in uh, in agreement there. So, Christian, thank you for that, mate. Uh, We'll move on to to Ben Burgess. Uh, So he wants to know what our realistic expectations are. Will we be ready to tackle promotion or another season of consolidation? which is one hell of a big question and we'll try and keep this as as, uh, small as we can. Now, I mean, my personal opinion on this one, Ben, um, I would love to say that it's just going to be a simple case of signing a few players to improve on the team we've got and going for promotion. My only concern here is that we've got a lot of players. We're going to have to um, replace, as we said the other week, it's going to be a bare minimum of 14 players we're probably going to have to replace unless we can get a few extended loans into next season, which probably isn't going to happen. So we're going to have a bare minimum 14 players. It would, for me, take some incredible signings and very good quick jelling of those signings to give us that chance. Um, I said last week it's crunch time this summer for O'Neill. Um, he's got to be under more pressure than he's ever been under because he's going to have the option to really nail down his master game with the players he brings in. And, you know, potentially we'll speak to Kieran about this, but potentially, you know, he's probably going to have more money than he's probably had previous seasons. So, I mean, that's my personal opinion that I think it's going to be a bit of both, if I'm honest. I think it's going to have to be a a playoff push. I don't think we're going to have enough for automatic unless we really do well on the, on the signings front. So that's my, my long winded answer because I don't think there is a short, simple answer. Um, Andy, what's your thoughts, mate? Is next season, is your gut saying next season is a promotion season or a consolidation season? And will the fans accept a consolidation season if it happens?
3: Well, we've been saying every season that we've looked at the signings we've bought and we've gone, you know what, we've got a real good chance here of going automatics and getting playoffs and it's all falling apart. Obviously, this season was meant to be that and then we were hampered with major injuries. We've had to make a lot of loan signings and some signings which you could see as emergency. But 14 players in through the door at bare minimum, unless we get extended loans. If you really seen a team bringing 14 players and have them completely gel within the space of a transfer window and signing them as the season's going on as well. Not particularly. If we get some of the players to extend who want to probably have to take a pay cut, it could help with the squad gelling. But like we said, we've got a good few youth players in Connor Taylor, uh, Will Forrester, who definitely help out with the defence. Michael O'Neill's got more money than he'll probably ever have from what we've seen with the accounts, but we don't know fully until we hear from Kieran. It's a 50-50 for me. My heart says that it wants to go for those promotion places, but my my brain's telling me, you know, it's not very likely.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's going to be tricky. I mean, again, I'll probably open this question then to you then, Dan, instead. Um, Will the fans accept consolidation? I don't, I generally, for O'Neal's sake, I don't think they will. I, I really don't feel like they're going to accept a, a mid-table finish again for O'Neill?
4: Uh, no, probably not, and that's unfortunate, really, because it's it's a, it's a long-term project. This and it, it's still we're still not out of the woods. But I don't think on on the um, the financial side of it, he's still got a lot of work to do. And it's just the the reason we got in this mess a lot of the time as well was having so many managers over a short period of time. And he's had to then go and get rid of the remnants of Mark Hughes, the remnants of Gary Roweth, the remnants of Paul Lambert, the remnants of Nathan Jones, and he's had to get rid of their players before he's been able to bring his own in. Yeah. And it's like now, now he's done the hard part, now he's freed up. He's more than, you know, the wage bill has been slashed by more than half. And he's going to go further again this year. And then it's like, well, yeah, you've done all that hard work. Um, so now when it's yeah, you know, when it's time for you then to put your own stamp on it and and then you then no, nah, you out the go out the door. It just doesn't make any sense to me. It's like surely you give him at least a season of you know where he can actually do his own thing and bring you you know, have sort of a bit of um a bit of mobility in the transfer market, a bit of mobility in what he can, in the trading that he can do. Yeah. I, I mean, last, last, last season, people say, oh, he's brought in this player, he's brought in that player. Yeah, but he's had to, he had to move Nathan Collins on. I bet he didn't want to do that.
2: <laughs> no. No one wants to move on to a quality player like that, do they?
4: No. Well, I mean, we've, you've seen today, I an mean, uh, article out today saying that Nathan Collins is, is in the top 50 under 23 players in, in the world for... Um, is it mate you have made, made that in their debut season in the top flights across the world? And he's come in there, he's up there with like Arsenal players, Barcelona players, and all that. And so, that's obviously that, that's where he's been rated for Burnley this year, even though Burnley are in the relegation zone. So.
2: Okay, good. Well, we'll see, we'll see how this pans out. I think we've always, always said, you know, Luke, if if they're going to back him, he needs that time, uh, either either back him or sack him this, this, this summer. As simple as that, and I don't think they're going to do the latter. Okay, and next, uh, Lennon on Twitter um, said, uh, "Who shall we bring in? It's centre back. Chester will finally go. Woohoo! Uh, Ballis will return, as will Liam Moore, and he's got question marks over Jagielka in terms of whether he thinks he's capable of uh, of surviving 46 plus games." Um, I mean, Andy. I mean, firstly, do we see any of those guys returning? Do you think? Um, certainly not Chester. But you know, do we see Ballis returning? Liam Moore? Do you think Jagielka is worthy of a of a new contract? I mean, we've still got the likes of Harry Suter, Forrester, Wilmot, and then potentially Jagielka and and whatnot. So, I mean, do you see any of the others returning? Liam Moore, for example.
3: Uh, Liam Moore, obviously, I bl- I think he has another year on his contract at Reading, but. It's whether he's in the next manager's plans. Obviously, they've got Paul Ince as interim manager at the moment. Also depends on what type of money is on. If we can afford it, with you know the finances we get given, if we can afford it, I don't see why not to bring him back. He's been solid. Um, Howard Bellis apparently on a radio interview. I haven't actually listened to it at all, but he said that he's quite happy in Stoke and Man City are open to the offer of letting him leave. So whether that's on another loan or A permanent, he would be a great fixture. But we have got obviously a lot of solidarity there with um Forrester, Sutar when he comes back from injury. Wilmot, he can play at right back or in the centre back position. I don't really think there's going to be too much recruitment in the, you know, centre back field on the position. Obviously, right back, I believe Tommy Smith's out of contract if he's got um, and that means, you know, at the moment we've only really got Dehaney who plays there, who hasn't really proved himself, and Wilmot, you can chuck out there. And in left back spot, Timons solid that place down. So I feel like in the centre back part, if we can get one or two of those players back, it would be you know great to have. If Elka can get back as well, he can sort of be used as a mentor if he doesn't want to play you know a lot of games for Harry Suter on that on his recovery. So I believe if we can get two or maybe three of them, if not all of them, it would be a great recruitment.
2: Okay, what's your thoughts on that, Dan? Any particular um, players you want to see back?
4: Um, I'd like to see Jackie Alka back and um, I understand uh, what Andy was saying there about people's worries about him playing 46 games uh, I don't think he'd have to to be honest I think we were saying we've got the strength and depth at centre-backs I think he could maybe just probably start the season I'd love to see him in Suter as a centre-back yeah. pairing yeah I think, um, and I think as the season goes on I think you probably see the development because by this time next year, he's going to be nearly 41. So, I mean, do we even? Uh, are we 100% clear that he isn't retiring this summer? Has he, has he come out and said he wants to carry no. on playing?
2: No, he, he's not come out and said he's retiring, but he's he's also said he's not going to carry on playing. I guess it's one of them. If you don't carry on playing, you you announce retirement. So, uh, yeah, I think yeah.
4: He's... If he, he's probably going to wait and see what he gets off. I suppose and if he's still enjoying probably. the game, you, I suppose the same as If you still if he's still enjoying it, he's going to try and carry on and see if someone's willing to. To, to give him a contract
2: well I think uh, Jack Yelker will he'll definitely be in the actual salary bandings because we were as, as tight as we could be when we signed him uh, from Derby yeah, so I d- he can't be on much
4: and he went Derby didn't he and Derby wouldn't be able to pay him much I think he's he's doing it for the love of the game at this point isn't he in, yeah. like I say 40 years of age um, so I think to me like I say he started off at this club I think that maybe that was the reason why he possibly came back as well like he's gone full circle with his career and, yeah, I'd definitely give him another 12 months. I think he probably at 41 this time next summer. He's probably going to be looking to retire. So, like I said, start the season with him. I think he's probably going to start the season in the side, isn't he? Uh, if he continues pre-season as he has done this year, anyway. Uh, and then, obviously, as the season goes on, he's probably going to be drop out for a game or two, drop out for a couple of games. And then hopefully that's when your younger players will come in and start nailing down the place themselves. But yep. I think you know what a what a player to have around for, you know, the peak likes of Will Forrester, Ben Wilmot, um, Taylor Harwood bellis I think if we were gonna if we're gonna sign a centre off, the only one I'd want to get to to, to sign again would be Harwood bellis I think if we don't get him, I'd be quite happy just to to go with what we've got. Yeah, I, um, like I say, I think obviously Chester leaves, for, Forrester comes in, so that's yeah, that position's been taken in the squad, hasn't it? Straight away there, we signed Jagielski, we've got Wilmot as well, uh, Sutar comes back, so we've got good competition, especially if we're going to be playing four at the back, we've got four spaces, four uh, players for two spaces there, aren't we? Yeah,
2: it's it's going to be more the full-back positions we need to strengthen there, isn't it? To be honest, so. Um, yeah but yeah nope that's cool lovely and then finally uh thanks for that Lennon. uh finally yeah matty p uh it's a last person um interested in the club stadium redevelopment and whether it's a strategy to offset the books or overdue improvements now um i mean i can partly answer one of this one because obviously i'm on the supporters council and we've mentioned this to the club a couple of times this season you know bits of the big wall that's just blank, you know, the the statue can look a bit kind of tired. Uh, there's paint that's kind of peeling off sides of the stadium. It is looking a bit of a tired stadium. Um, and obviously the club have, have announced 20 million pounds worth of investment. Now, part of that I would hope is us banging on at them about trying to do something because it is looking a bit tired and other bits. I know that, like, for example, the seating, I think the seating has been in, um, On the kind of you know the periphery of of what they wanted to do for a while so yeah i don't think it's a matter of you know trying to move the books around or anything like that i think it's purely the fact that they have seen that you know look they want to they need to be more commercial they need to sell more things maybe a different events and conferences they want to sell as part of their you know hospitality and and a bit i think they they know as a you know they need to be better. They need to look better because the stadium is looking old, Um, so I don't think it's any more than that, to be honest, Matty. Uh, They will be spending a lot of money on the training ground as well, Um, so I think that's a quite simple answer to your question, mate, to be honest. It's uh, finally getting some investment that it needs, really. So, yeah. Okay. Lovely. Well, um, thank you to everyone who sent those questions in. Uh, Really appreciate it. Uh, Again, same next week. If you guys want to send any questions in, go for it. um, And we'll obviously discuss them. But let's uh, now look ahead to Bristol City on Friday. Okay, okay then. Bristol City on Friday. Um, Andy, I'm going to come to you this week, mate. And uh, your stats, please, mate.
3: I will do. So, first one. After losing just three of the last of their first 23 home league games against Bristol City between 1906 and 2008, we have uh, we have lost the last three in a row. Um, second one. Bristol City are looking to record a league double over Stoke for the first time since that first um, game against them in the 1906-1907 campaign. Um, it is Stoke's first ever home league game on good friday all the previous 37 have come away from home winning just four but we did win against bristol city last year on good friday when we were away 2-0 um bristol city have lost three of the last 14 league games on good friday um and they haven't lost on good friday in consecutive years since 1933 and 1934 And a fact about Lewis Baker for you is that he scored eight goals in 16 championship appearances for Stoke this season since arriving in January. And um, he had only scored two goals in his previous 46 championship appearances across spells at Sheffield Wednesday, Middlesbrough, Leeds and Reading. With their injury news, there's only three this week. Uh, Thomas Callas, uh, a centre-back, injured uh, George Tanner. Also injured with a hamstring and a knee injury, respectively, both coming back late April. And um, Nathan Baker's been injured since around about January time, I believe, with a head injury. He's not going to be back till about the end of the season.
2: Nice. Well done, mate. Put a lot of effort in again. Um, I wonder whether, uh, you know, you've put Dan to shame this week. Uh, Dan, how are your stats looking, mate?
4: Uh, well, uh, so as Andy mentioned, last three games at the Bet265 war in Bristol City wins. Uh, the last win for Stoke was in 2008 when it was a promotion six-pointer and we won 2-1. Can you remember who scored both Stoke goals that day, Mike? Uh,
2: well, it was obviously Mamacidabee.
4: It was indeed Mamacidabee. Um so yeah, Bristol City—they've won one. They've only won one in the last eight games, and they've only had one away win since they beat Peterborough on October the second. So they aren't in great form on the travels at all.
3: We need to stop complaining about our form, then, don't we? Yeah,
4: gosh. <laughs> last time out was only the fourth time this season that Stoke have scored three or more goals in the league, and only the second since August. Uh, but despite this, we've scored 66 goals across all competitions this season, and in the last 20 years, only 2007, 2008, uh, when we scored 72 goals, I saw seen us score more. So we've got a bit of a record there, we? have got six six goals to get in the last five games to uh, you know make this the uh, the highest scoring season in 20 years. Go back further than that, and it was like a good job. Was there, we scored like 100 (laughs) goals a season. It's like ridiculous. (laughs) Um, The 3 1 win at West Brom was also the first time we conceded and won since September the 11th when we beat Huddersfield 2 1 at home. Proof that when we do concede, we are a very fragile side, aren't we?
3: (laughs) We do relax a lot, don't we?
4: Yes. Um, And the last thing I've got is uh, on Lewis Baker. Since he made his full debut January twenty second, he has scored eight goals. Now in the championship, that would put him third top scorer in that time. Only Brennan Johnson, nine goals for Forrest, and Alexander Mitrovic, who has eleven for Fulham, have outscored him in his time at Stoke.
3: It's something him- it with Baker. It's something with him. Like I, I, I've typed a message into the WhatsApp group, didn't I, saying it about this stage of the season. If he had played all games with the rate he's going at, he'd have around about 24, 25 goals. Yeah. For a centre-defensive mid, it's something, mate. I
0: mean, if he um, can take
2: that form into next season,
0: God. and we yeah.
2: get another player, even one other player, One striker. Let's see, even Jacob Brown or whoever gets twenty goals that season, and maybe a few more goals chipped in around the team. Yeah, that is a that's a scoring ratio for any promotional team.
4: Yeah, I
3: feel like next season the three players we've got to build it around is Time and Brown and Baker. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. Do you want players who've played for both
4: sides?
2: Yeah, Yeah.
3: Well, we can say we can say managers wise, Dean Holden.
4: Yes. So Dean Holden. Um, there's another what? Well, there's another manager, uh, the current Bristol City manager Nigel Pearce, Pearson. a former Stoke first team coach, uh, and obviously also Joe Jordan and Tony Pulis manage both sides as well. Uh, player wise, so out of the current Stoke side, there are th- Stoke uh, squad. There is three players who've played for Bristol City: Frankie Fielding, Liam Moore, and Benny Kafobi so, none of them will be involved on Saturday. <laughs> um, but, yeah, other, other players. So, I'm going to run through a few now. Adi oh, yeah. Tony Dinning, Richard Dryden, Adam Federici, Ben Foster, Mark Goodfellow, Chris Uolumu, Tony Kelly, Richard Keogh, Boaz Myhl, Peter wingy Martin Patterson, Stephen Pearson, Mark Prudhoe, Ronnie Sinclair, Sam Vokes and Ashley Williams. So there's quite a few players there again. Anyone who sticks out for you there, Mike?
2: Oh, I, mean, I mean, there's a few, mate. I mean, even randomly, Ashley Williams. I forgot. I forgot he played for us, to be honest. Um, but yeah, there's 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 a, there's a few that stick out, mate. To be honest, on that list, didn't there? Um, o- Gordon Winky, obviously goalkeepers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh,
3: I forgot Foster. Federici paid for us, in all honesty.
2: <laughs> well, he barely did. Didn't he? I mean, it's a little bit like um, oh, I can't remember who you mentioned early on in that list. Now, there was someone you mentioned. It. Oh, yeah, Fielding. There you go, Fielding. The guy I played for us. So it's a bit of a stretch. Well, I'll give you that one. Uh But yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's it's an interesting list. Every week when you bring these up, it, it must admit it surprises me.
3: There's one or two that seem to come up every week. Yeah, yeah. Adiak and Vahey's <laughs> been on there too, about four man. times. <laughs>
2: Oh Addy, what a striker he was, guys. I don't know if you ever saw much of him, Andy, but Addy. No. Bloody brilliant, mate. He was one of them he's just one of them strikers. He's he, you know what? It I probably shouldn't make the, the, the kind of comparison, but he was a bit like Fuller. The guy could run, had a bit of skill about him every now and then. Um but yeah, he he yeah, he's probably a close ish type of style to Fuller. Um and of course he went prolific, to
3: Burnley after, didn't he?
2: He did, he did all right for Burnley, from what I remember. Um, after, anyway, after he
4: got sent off on his debut for two <laughs> minutes in for headbutting someone. Yes, yeah,
2: good old Addy. Um, I remember, <laughs> do you remember that? Uh, the thing with Addy's celebration, the power Addy, power aid was on the side of the uh, the, the boards. Power Addy, I do, do remember
4: that. Do remember that.
2: <laughs> Brilliant, oh, anyway. Anyway, but this is gonna be like a five hour pod if we don't move on. So, um yeah, so as always, uh, Graham McGarry has uh, kindly got in touch with his uh, predictions. Uh, let's see what he's got to say this week.
5: Hi there, you Potters podcast people. Hello there, it's Graeme McGarry back again after the international break. I hope you enjoyed your little breather from your football. This is Graham McGarry with that Potters prediction. Let's hope we get it right this weekend. Stoke City 2... City nil, Stoke one, West Brom nil. Stoke are ready to win at home. Two nil for the Potters. Hello there, this is Gray McGarry again with your Potters predictions. Of course, we've got a double-headed weekend as it's Easter. And of course, the first one is at home on Good Friday afternoon. Coming off the back of a terrific win against West Brom that brought that song out again at the Hawthorns. We always beat West Brom, Michael O'Neill's side now. We're looking to back that up against Nigel Pearson's Bristol City side at the bet three six five on Friday afternoon. Stoke, of course, aiming to try and finish in the top half of the championship. I think it could be a good day. At the bet 365 because I'm going to go for a Stoke 2-0 win. A couple of days later, they're off on the travels up the M6 to Blackburn Rovers. A side that looked as though they were going to make the playoffs, but have just dropped off a little bit in the last few weeks. But they'll still fancy their opportunities that are coming along to get themselves back in the frame for an end of season playoff. But Stoke could spoil that party, and I'm going to go for another three points for Michael O'Neill on his travels. Blackburn Rovers nil. The mighty Potter's won.
2: Graham, yeah, thank you very much indeed, May. Uh, love the positivity. Keep it coming. Uh, you know, you've been very, very positive this season. Dare I say, more positive than us three put together. Um, so yeah, thanks very much Okay, and the, the next piece of audio we've got Is from a Bristol City fan called Sutz. Um a, uh, a bit of an interesting uh, Bit of score lines towards the end of this audio So uh, yeah, check this out And uh, he'll be able to give a bit of an overview Of what we should expect from Bristol City This uh, Friday
6: Hi guys, this is uh, Sutz, uh Bristol City fan um, Coming up to you guys at Stoke On Good Friday um, This will be my third consecutive away match at Stoke that we've been able to go to. Um, we've done all right on the previous two. Um, I'm not feeling so optimistic this time. Um, Bristol City, what can I say about us and our form this season? Um, it can be summed up in the 95th minute of the opening match of the season at home to Blackpool when uh, we can see the an equaliser and that's been a common theme this season. Um, I think we hold the record um, for the most goals conceded in the last five minutes and possibly injury time. Um, nothing worse than the uh, Forest game at home when we're winning 1-0 in the 89th minute and we end up losing 2-1. And that just sums it up the season. Um, the game, when you came to us earlier in the season, uh, you've been on a good run. We've been awful. Uh, Hard fought 1-0 to us. Um, even injury time, nine minutes, we were all convinced that you were going to get an equaliser. Um, yeah, again, Joe Allen got sent off in that at the end. He likes getting sent off against us. Um, Pretty sure tomorrow's going to be, Oh, sorry, not tomorrow, Friday's going to be a feisty affair. They normally are between us, even though we've got two teams now with very little to play for, if not pride and players contracts for next season. Um, feeling around Bristol City um, summed up on Saturday uh, when we drew one all home to Peterborough, who were down to 10 men. And uh, again, the, the fans, the singing section were not happy, don't agree with that. Um, of the out-and-out um, songs and booing. But um, that just is a summary of our very, very disappointing season. Been hit by injuries, played by injuries. We've had to play a lot of youngsters. Um, having said that, we've got players like Andre, Andre Wiseman, um, who's been phenomenal this season. He's on 19 goals, number of assists, after coming back from a crucial uh, injury. He's one to watch. Uh, Hanno Musengo um, can be absolutely outstanding on his day. Uh, like he was at Preston this season. Um, but uh, we've got a young star uh, coming through and one to watch for the future if he stays with us. Alex Scott, only 18 years old, um, absolute phenomenal talent and one to watch. Um, big clubs sniffing around him already like Tottenham. Um for Stoke, I think you're a season flattered to deceive as well. You started off really well um, and then you've been on a sort of a bad run and uh, I'm sure you guys are really disappointed with where you are and where you're going to finish in the season. said two teams going into this with not a lot to play for other than pride and i say players contracts as far as us coming up from bristol um i think there's going to be about eight nine hundred of us which isn't bad for good friday and where we are in the league at 19th um however we're in the super six on sky i'm predicting on there um that we will uh narrowly lose 2-1 probably you guys scoring in the 96th minute which will just absolutely uh sum up the season but um I'm sure it'd be a, a competitive game. And I uh, always look forward to coming up to Stoke. It's always a, a good atmosphere. And uh, and I'm sure we'll see you boys around up there. Look forward to a good game. Cheers. Oh, just forgot to add as well, just one other thing. Uh, this is my 10th away match of the season. And uh, in the previous nine, uh, we've lost. And we've conceded on average three every game. Um, that's pretty much sums it up to the last few we've been to. Bournemouth conceded three. Uh, Swansea conceded three. Blackpool conceded three, Fulham conceded six, West Brom conceded three, Birmingham conceded three. Um, I could go on. Oh, Coventry conceded three. A um, few last-minute goals in there, but I think you get the gist. Anyway, um, it's yours to win, boys. Cheers. Um,
4: okay, uh, just so...
6: Just quick, t- sh- quick shout-out as well, sorry, to
4: Mrs McGarry, who's uh, got COVID at the minute, and so not feeling very well. So, Graham's told me he's sort of... He's looking after her, so yes. Uh, hope she's feeling better soon, and uh, don't make sure you don't give it to Al Gray, and we can do without him. <laughs> it.
2: Yeah, exactly. We we, we need those uh, those vocal cords weekly. You can you can have you can have a break in the close season. <laughs> but yeah, no. Thank you, mate. Appreciate it. Um, so yeah, in terms of then uh, teams and prediction, very quickly then, Dan, um, what team are you going for, mate, on Friday?
4: Um, not that I think Bondham's playing terribly but I again would like to bring Joey Bursick back in <laughs> I think you know, he'd benefit from you know a bit more, he's going to benefit, benefit from a few games between now and the end of the season um, I'm going to go with a 4-2-3-1, I'm going to pay Harwood Bellis, test him out at right back uh, Smith did well the weekend but again for me Tommy Smith's now playing well because he's looking for a contract for somewhere else next season and uh, to be frank I'm going to get more out of playing Howard Ballis there because he may possibly be back here more than Tommy Smith is next year. So he'll be playing right back. Uh, Forrester and Jagielka as the two central halves. Let's test Forrester out in a, two, in, a, in a back four. He's got Jagielka alongside in for a bit of experience. Josh Tymon is playing left back. Um, again, Joe Allen. I'm not sure Joe Allen's going to be here next year. So he's dropping out the side for me. Uh, Lewis Baker can be in the midfield he can have the armband and he'll be joined by Adam Porter for me uh, who's obviously uh, he'd been captaining and uh, captaining the under 23s uh, so yeah give him a game uh, and I'll like I say in centre midfield with Baker, let's have a look what he's made of uh, remain Sawyers he's going to be playing in the number 10 position for me, again he's another player I'd like to see back here next season so he's going to be playing behind Magic. And then i got Philogene Bidace on the left and Campbell on the right. Again, for me, Jade and Philogene Bidace, if the opportunity is there, he is somebody I think we should be interested in bringing back next season. And obviously Tyrese Campbell is hopefully going nowhere as well. So Jacob Brown gets a rest for me. He'll be on the bench, ready to come on if needed. And obviously maybe, you know, Tom Sparrow, Emre Teskell can be on the bench as well. Uh, as youngsters and um, can come on as well. So yes, that's my team, and I think we are going. I think we're going to end the season well. I'm going with a
2: three-one win on Saturday.
3: Copying West Brom, eh?
2: Yes. You uh, you you stole mine. I was going to go three-one. I'm I'm going to stick to the same team as as West Brom to be honest. Um, I'm trying to think of any changes I want to see in there. I think you know what? I'll I'll bring Major in for Fletch. I still I think. If we're going to get Maja back, if we're going to sign him permanently or whatever, uh, Maja needs to start. So, Fletch, see you later, mate, but you've not been good enough recently. So, um, yeah, Maja comes in, but otherwise it stays the same. Um, Andy, any particular major changes for you, mate?
3: I've gone for a bit of both combined. So, I've gone back to the four-two-three-one. I feel like the five back is played against West Brom because, you know, it was a formation which when played against them, plays well. And Michael O'Neill likes to chop and change between the two, so I feel like he'll go back to the 4-2-3-1. Um, only two changes. Test out how Bellis at right back, um, so Smith drops out the side. And bring right Phillips in um, ahead of Varancic and have Sawyers in that number 10 role.
2: Lovely. Okie-dokie. Thank you very much. Um, did you give me your score prediction?
3: 2-1, mate. 2-1. Two, two, one. One. I'm going to go safe. I'm going to be safe with the bet. Considering we lost 1-0 to him last time, I feel like we can learn from mistakes.
2: Okay, lovely. Let's take that then. We're all positive. Uh, A uh, a quadruple win, so that means we're going to lose. Brilliant. Uh, (laughs) Great, so uh, that pretty much does it for team selections, etc. Before we close out the pod, let's do Dan's favourite topic, which is this week's quiz. Uh, What is it next? This week, mate. Bloody, uh, who was it? Uh, Berahino last week. Is it Berahino's dog this week, mate?
3: Berahino's dog's... asking Oh, God.
2: Good old hey. daddy. Okay. Yeah, okay, bring it. I might
3: as well just go now.
2: Oh, come on. you got, You got to help me. Right.
3: I'll give it a go.
4: This. So, we're going to start, we're going to start funnily enough with question number seven. Okay. <laughs> an iconic goal celebration against Ipswich <laughs> in a 3-2 win that saw us go top of the league involved an advertising board. What was being advertised on said board?
2: Powerade.
4: Was it Powerade? Oh, it was. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, congratulations! You've got that one already. So yeah, if if you haven't seen it, Andy he scored the winner in like the ninety third minute or something, and there was there was twenty three thousand there, which we we only usually used to get about twelve. Uh, but I think they did like it was entry was everyone was in for a fiver, I think
2: it was dead cheap. But, yeah,
4: yeah. So to pack the place out because we're Ipswich were like the top two in the division. They were top, we were second. And uh, we scored, like I so say, we were beating 3-2 in the last minute. And he run over to the Power A board, obviously, just pointing his finger and run his finger along it as if saying, like, you yeah, know, that's me, Power Addy.
3: Power <laughs> um, <Alrighty>, God.
4: <laughs> so, yes, uh, which... So, we'll go back to the beginning now. Then. Which club did Addy start his career at?
2: Well, I remember that one. Uh, that was Norwich.
4: Norwich, yes. And uh, do you know that he scored his first ever uh, he scored the first goal that I ever saw live. First game I went to was a one-one draw at the Reading. Victoria Ground in 1995, and he opened the scoring for Norwich that day. Right, yeah.
2: Interesting.
4: Mm. Yes. <laughs> uh, I didn't even know it myself until I uh, I watched the highlights of that game back about pfft. it was when I was on going on the YYY files. Mm-hmm. And I was just watching it, and I, with Ben, with Ben Rowley. and um, I just saw, like Googled it, uh, YouTube this even, and it came up, and I was like, "Oh my god, I can buy you scored that goal." I didn't even know that. <laughs> I was on like seven at the time. But yeah, Um question number two: Which football giant did he make his professional debut against?
2: Um, oh, it's like a stick of and a pin in a board, isn't it? Uh, I don't know, Andy. Take a guess on a team, mate, whatever. I'm not not, not clear.
3: Northampton town. You <laughs> said take a guess. Bayern in Munich. Really? What?
4: <laughs> it was in a UEFA Cup tie that they drew one one in the set. it was the second leg, they drew one one and they'd already won two one in Munich in the first leg, so they knocked them out of the UEFA Cup.
2: It was all downhill from there. Okay.
4: Yeah. Yes. Um he the question number three. He became Leicester's record signing in 2000, Signing from Wolves for what to fee. Oh um,
3: it's gotta be something sensible. I wanted to use it, like back
2: then it was it was only a few million mate. Uh three and a half
3: or more. Was it that much?
2: I, I had two mil, but I, Shall we go two? Go two, mate. I, I really don't. I'm not 100%. A, a couple of million, I know that. 5.5
4: 5 million.
2: God. Really? Oh. Wow. 5.5
3: 5 okay. million in today's money. Let's have a look at this. So 5.5 5 million.
2: Oh, he came in to replace Emil Heskey, did he? Okay.
3: Oh, God, what a name. That would cost now 9.85.
4: Well, so football footballing-wise, 5.5 5. million then is probably about 40 million now.
0: Yeah, true.
2: <laughs> anyway, close that web page down, Andrew. I, know I you don't to, know much about Adi. Close to. it down. Carry on, Dan. In
4: 2003, he joined Stoke on loan, but from whom?
2: Uh, it was Palace, mate, at that point. It was indeed.
4: Who did Akinbari score the winner against on the final day of the season Ready. to secure the pot Yes. Potters' Championship. <laughs> Mike's ready. just good at this one. I'm just sitting here like... Uh, in 2003-04, Akinbay finished top scorer for the Potters. How many league goals did he score that season?
2: You're going to go... 10? Uh, ten? 10, correct. Oh, yes! <laughs> what a guess. So...
4: Uh, so, as you do, Bali, you've got six out of seven so far. Mike's wow, doing this. Well. Okay. So, what... <laughs> During his time at Stoke, he became a fan cult hero, didn't he, for his efforts yeah. and his energy. So, what was sold in the club shop with his signature on it? What piece of merchandise was available, um, specifically his like that he used to wear?
2: Oh, um, wasn't it gloves? Was it
4: gloves? The with gloves.
2: Yeah, gloves. Yeah.
4: No, it was an Adiakin headband. Oh, bloody Alva headband! Yes. And I used to have one for five stars because I used to have a long hair by then.
2: Bloody Alva the headband,
4: uh, yes. of course. Yes, he used to have a. He used to have his headband in to keep his dreadlocks all thingy, and he it used to have his signature written across the Adiakin by, and they were sold in the club shop. <laughs> I, I
2: was uh, I was I was going to say uh, maybe bits of his hair, his dreadlocks that he had. <laughs> Good luck with that one. Okay. So is that all of them?
4: Uh, so, last two questions. Uh, Akinbai eventually left the club, joining Burnley for £600,000 in February 2005. But how did he force the club's hand in accepting the bid? Oh, how did he
2: force the hand? Oh, blimey. Um, well, I don't like power reading. He didn't punch purely or something, did he? I, I don't know. <laughs> Well,
4: after having a number of bids rejected from Sheffield United, and then being told that an, the Burnley offer was being rejected, he staged—he reportedly, <laughs> reportedly staged a sit-in protest in Tony Scholes' office until they accepted <laughs> the bid and refused yes. to leave.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you can just see that, can't you? Scolls not having a clue what to do.
3: <laughs> He's just sitting there in front of the door. You're not leaving until I go. And
2: and Addy was built, and he had one of the biggest heads you'll ever see. (laughs) I remember walking up to one of the boxes, and Addy walks out of one of the rooms, right? And this guy is, like, flipping giant, built like a everybody's sumo wrestler. Like, I've never seen a head so big in my life. And he Um, he
4: was massive, like, Jim doing muscly and everything once he was
2: ripped. (laughs) Yeah. But I swear, he was with Wilco. I swear it was Wilco.
4: You can, just imagine, you can just imagine, can't you? Like, Tony Scores trying to get on with his, like, his office work and everything on his computer. <laughs> and the other side of the desk is just hacking by. Just <laughs> let me go.
2: Let me go. Let me go. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Next, Mate Rassis is going dead long. Go on, next.
4: Question number 10. At Burnley, he joined a club with two ex Stokies there manager Steve Cottrell and midfielder James O'Connor but he was quickly joined that summer by two more players who left Stoke for Burnley. Who were they? Wilkinson played for Burnley
3: for a bit.
2: So it'll be Wilco. And then... Oh, Jesus, who did we have in the team? It, was it a striker, Dan?
4: It was a striker.
2: Yeah. Oh, for God's sake. Oh, no. Um. It wasn't John Parkin. <laughs> Uh, uh I I'm not sure, mate. I could be here all night. I'm not sure on the striker's name.
4: Okay, it wasn't Wilkinson. I don't know why oh, why uh,
2: Andy Wilkinson never played for Burnley.
4: Um so no, it wasn't him. It was Gifton Noel Williams.
2: Oh Gifton, yeah.
4: And Wayne Thomas.
2: Wayne Thomas. But yeah, good old Gifton Noel Williams. Yes.
4: So yeah, I okay what he did well there. He was their top scorer at Burnley the following season. And then they sold him to Sheffield United for a couple of million, and then brought him back, like because he wasn't doing well at Sheffield United. Then Neil Warnock had about fifteen strikers, like literally fifteen oh, strikers, yeah. and he brought the he came back to Burnley, and then uh, Steve Cottrell didn't play him for Hedges because he said that he was he said he was too bulky. He said he and basically Akimby came out and said uh, yeah, because I wasn't playing. I get addicted to the gym and I wasn't playing so I just spent all my day every day, all day every day in the gym. He said, so, so Steve Cox said yeah, he, he couldn't play him for a few months because he had to wait for all the muscle to drop off him because he couldn't move, he couldn't run, couldn't move, he was that too muscly.
2: Well, thank you very much for that, mate. I think, was that six did we get in the end or seven? Six or seven?
3: You got uh, six or seven.
2: Six, yeah, you got six. So I oh, started long. off well and kind of uh, faded away.
4: No, sorry, so you got, you, you got seven, sorry, you got, did you, uh, got seven okay seven it? no not six I'm, I'm trying to lie you got six
2: no, um, i'm yeah. taking seven you said seven i'm taking your first answer all, all right. right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Thanks, seven, thanks mate then. um right lovely well yeah thank you very much both of you for joining again if everyone's made it through to the end of this with with the wheel to live then well done um as we've said saturday 7 a.m listen out for the the pod with kieran Trust me, if you're a Stoke fan, you're going to want to hear what he's got to say. So, um, yeah, thank you very much indeed. And, boys, I will see you tomorrow. Uh, Everybody else will see you next week.
0: Adios. Uh, See you all. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply.
1: See mcdonalds.com.